0: Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and at the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Security Centrics security is a trusted cybersecurity company with offices in Dublin, Cape Town, and London. Centrics provides expert advisory services, primarily in the finance and fintech industries, with tailored security solutions to fit your specific needs and regulatory challenges. In this episode, our first of 2023, Owen Fitzgerald and I riff on the latest on Sam Bankman-Fried, of course, before we dive into a few of the FinTech and Web3 predictions that people pulled together for 2023 that we've seen published recently. Then we do an experimental walkthrough of the AI bot, ChatGPT. And we finish up with a look at a couple of the January leadership changes in FinTech and crypto through the lens of the Goldman Sachs retail business wind down, all right here on Money Never Sleeps. Hey owen hey pete how you doing good happy new year and all that happy happy new year to you you guys have a good christmas
1: yeah you know what it was one of those things that could have been disastrous i hurt my hand on the 23rd went to the local gp out of hours put a cast on it my right hand which i use for pr- practically everything Wow. Including unwrapping presents. He said it was broken. And then I was like, no, I'll go to. He didn't have an x ray, though. He's just like, oh, I think it's broken. My x ray guys on holidays, I'll strap it in a cast for you, a heavy cast. I was like, oh, shit. But then I went to uh, VHI on the 23rd. Yeah. Um, And they're like, they x rayed it and they're like, oh, no, there's nothing there. It's just bad bone bruise or whatever. So I was like, great. Phew. Dodge a bullet there. And then on They'd... Christmas Christmas day, we're going over to my parents in the morning and flat tire. <laughs> and like I have, a, I have a, a BMW, so they're run flats, so they don't go flat. You know, they just, they just go down, but you can still drive with them. So I went to the, drove to the garage thinking, oh, I'll just inflate the tire at one of the machines and it deflated the entire tire, which meant we couldn't drive on it at all. Oh, I no. went to the guy, I was like, what happened? He's like, oh, that doesn't work properly. I was like, oh, thanks. You should probably put a sign on that. So like, we, I would have been able to just inflate it and drive for a few days or whatever, you know, it was only going down the road. But yeah. So it was a fun couple oh, of no. Days. Yeah. No, it's quiet after like it. that.
0: Yeah. Ours was, was pretty food fueled. Like last year with our COVID Christmas, we yeah. had actually, while we were away dealing with COVID while we were in Massachusetts, my, our power went out. And oh. so the freezer, the turkey and ham that were in there and there was oh. loads of it. All of it was spoiled. Oh, so true. we made sure that we didn't have anything to put in the freezer this year, just in case yep. we ate all of it. So, you know, <laughs> tur- <laughs> t- you know, roast turkey, turkey salad, turkey leftovers, turkey soup, you name it, you know, yeah. turkey dip. It was all, it was all good. And then the ham for breakfast, lunch and dinner Brilliant. F- fried up. It was all good. So yeah, ate well. And now, now trying to work that off the last few days, which has been fun. Excellent. <laughs> So we, we had a big year in 2022, didn't we? We did indeed, yeah. Do
1: do we need to talk about Sam? Oh, I think there's been enough words spilled over <laughs> Sam at this stage. And the whole thing seems bizarre. What was the latest one I was reading that he applied to have the names of the two people who bailed him out hidden from the media or something?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just in case anyone's been sleeping for the last four months, this is Sam Bankman-free. He, yeah, they, they, you got to guess who the two people are. It's mommy and daddy, you know. Yeah, but so, then they don't, so, they don't,
1: I know they have a house that's worth a lot of money, but at the same time, they're, I I don't think it is. I got the impression that it's not them because everyone would assume oh really? it is. I got the impression it's some venture person who doesn't want to be associated publicly. Yeah, they perhaps
0: maybe it's Michael Lewis who had been following him around yeah. for a number of months. He wants to bail him out so he can <laughs> yeah. continue his book. <laughs> the uh the on the brink guys were talking about this and that apparently Michael Lewis was in the Bahamas following him around but also even up to in the last couple of weeks uh, really? he's been with him. So you know, still on his uh, retainer perhaps somehow yeah. for writing a huge, the story about Sam Backman-Fried.
1: Huge bidding war for that book, I'd say.
0: And the movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone putting up the pictures of Jonah Hill next yep. to Sam Backman-Fried. <laughs> like, of course, he's going to play him in the movie. You yep. know, he's already been in a Michael, Hill, or a Michael Lewis movie with yep. obviously Moneyball, where he played one of Billy Bean's assistants. But just, I mean, looking at Google News, I mean you know you put in sam bankman freed in there and you've got sam Bankman-Fried pleads not guilty to criminal charges he pleads not guilty in an ftx fraud case he pleads not guilty he pleads not guilty it's like are you for real but then the one i love is that ftx founder released to parents on 250 million dollar bail it's like you know like a little kid being released to his parents after oh, yeah. causing a big ruckus you know yeah. i just want to call this a ruckus
1: yeah
0: but it's um, a strange one No, but like, you're right. Plenty of analysis out there on this, on what's going on with that. It's going to be one that will continue for a very long time. Because
1: I saw, I saw something else then, two stories and you probably know more, but one was about Binance asking, is that in trouble? And then the other one was this thing with Gemini and their owed money from some other crowd. So I suppose the question I have is, is there more contagion and more issues to come to light with others?
0: Yeah. I mean, Binance a couple of weeks ago, or two, three weeks ago, maybe it felt like it was getting a little shaky and that there was a lot of withdrawals going on. And But they claim that even though they don't need to, because they're not regulated as an e-money institution, they claim that all of their customer deposits are backed up. They sure as hell better be because it's in the terms and conditions. I expect, I've never read it for Binance, but given that they are a big exchange, it should be in the terms and conditions that their assets will not be reused. That- I, you know, but it's gone quiet now. So I haven't heard anything. So they did have a couple of billion dollars worth of withdrawals come out. But, you know, it's, it's, of course, there's going to be a level of contagion. There's contagion everywhere. Like the venue that I wanted to use for an event in New York City, when I'm over there in, in a couple of weeks, they got hit by FTX. So I don't know. It, it's, yeah, Contagion is everywhere. The, the Gemini stuff, they just had some deal with Genesis for staking services. And I think whoever was backing that is then having some of their own difficulties. So they had put their, Gemini had put their staking service on hold. So, yeah. but again, that has, it, I think there's a back and forth going on right now between Genesis and I think it's Digital Currency Group who, sorry, back and forth going on right now between Gemini and Digital Currency Group. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But it hasn't been a tectonic shift yet that we've seen. So, but yeah, lots going on. I kind of am like, you know, thinking about 2022, just thinking about uh, Crash Davis from Bull Durham. You know, some days you win, some days you lose, some days it rains. You know, it's like some years you win, some years you lose, some years it does rain and rain in baseball is, well, you take a day off when it rains in crypto, it usually pours and it has been pouring. So let's call it a loss year. Let's call it a rain year as well, because it's been just one story after another, but, but you know, I, one of the Christmas gatherings before Christmas with friends for dinner, my Barry Darmody, I'll call him out on this. Who we had on the show before he said, you know, Pete, what's it feel like? I mean, you know, your whole life, everything that you're working on here is now just gone. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <A bit harsh. laughs> he's, he's like, didn't you see the, the, it was like the, the, european central bank or something like that they had some monetary policy writer come in and say that you know crypto is now dead whatever and i'm like oh, yeah. you actually some of that. you actually believe an opinion piece from the institution that is you know whatever and he's like <laughs> well you know that's the stuff i read i'm like okay well don't worry about it you know even my good friend kenny white from the u.s high school friend shout out to kenny I had an exchange back and forth with him where he's like, "Are you hiding Sam Bankman-Fried under your bed?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm not." <laughs> and he's like, "Listen, crypto isn't going anywhere." And others that, you know, I've, you know, probably can't quote right now because I've I've read this so many times that you can't uninvent DeFi. You can't uninvent NFTs. You can't yeah. uninvent all of these other use cases. What we're going to talk about in a minute. 7 trillion dollars worth of settlements in stablecoins last year. Okay. And that is up there with the volume of MasterCard. So, you know, now MasterCard and stablecoin settlements are used for different things, but it's like, all right, you know, people say, well, give me another use case, give me another use case, give me another use case that's successful. And it's like, there's tons of them. It's just that they're small examples that are spread out across a great variety of use cases. To quote William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer, the future is already here; it's just unevenly distributed. I don't know how I worked that in, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's my favorite quote, and it just came to mind there as I'm going on this little mini rant here. But listen, you know, let's let's come back to that stablecoin thing. But the the the, the thing that is right at hand right now for both you and me is in fintech with what's in store for European fintech in 2023 so this was in sifted just the 3rd of january and where the, the this is a piece they put together on talking to a bunch of experts for their predictions for the year 2023 in fintech in europe yep. and the first one was 2023 will be the year of insure and i'm like really, really? you know is with And, you know, you've got to look at, and this is Ruth Fox Blader, who's a partner at Anthemis, who came out with that. And what she's basically saying is that InsureTech is res- recession resistant. And obviously we're in a, a down period right now. But InsureTech is not the most exciting thing in the world to me. Although it is incredibly opportunistic. yep Right. But I, I didn't really, that didn't really knock my socks off.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, d- I didn't really buy that one. There was a couple of interesting things said there. Obviously, that she was talking about, and then there's others. It's talking about, you know, it's going to be a strong year for fintechs managing risk. Yeah, it. And then actually, the the one I did kind of agree with was around CFO tools will show their metal. Was what they said, and this was one of the partners in Speed Invest, and I think that's spot on because we've talked already about companies like Brex and Ramp and. These big funding rounds in the US where they're, you know, targeting the CFO type customer and trying to build out all their solutions like finance in a box or, or whatever, whatever way you describe it. But there seems to be a lot of focus on that and a bigger market opportunity there and you're tying in things like payroll and a few other bits to it and yeah i think that i think there's gonna be a lot more in that because you know the economics are probably good on it and there'll be a lot more funding going into that but again there's a lot of big players in that particular space as well that we've even just named there that are kind of fighting over the same space so
0: yeah i'm with you on the cfo tools and especially in crypto and as crypto becomes even more important as an asset class. And yes, I'm saying that in January of 2023, after we w- we went through in 2022, but, I, but I'm in this for the long term. I went through this while doing my US tax return of trying to do the accounting for all of my crypto transactions. It is so difficult to do. Yeah. I found an app called Coinly that made it very easy for me to do that. And it was actually really helpful and could become more of just a once a year tax reporting tool for me because it's actually, it lets you do a few things and I won't get it, get into all the details. But I think that, you know, people talk about the crypto on ramps as being critical to getting people, more and more people into crypto. But it's, you know, there's off ramps of getting out of crypto and back into fiat, but also the off ramps of kind of your reporting and your regulatory side of it and the tax side of it. And yep. how do you actually take all that activity and make sense of it? And I'm seeing a few different companies come up in light of, you know, uh, all the the sourcing that I've been doing for the Techstars Web3 Accelerator that are kind of fitting this infrastructure narrative for me. And CFO tools definitely fit the infrastructure narrative when it comes to to crypto and Web3. So I think that's one that will will hopefully
1: be a winner. There's a lot left to build in this space. Yep.
0: Um, a lot what to do.
1: Yeah another piece that i kind of it, it was there was two sections one was around big banks who have more cash to acquire fintechs and then around fintech MA takeoff so i i fully believe there's a lot of value now out in the market you know and there's going to be a lot of companies obviously in a bit of trouble with runway and stuff like that i'd say we'll see a lot more acquisitions and like look that was you know qed investors are talking about that there but there's a lot of very strong companies that are obviously considerably lowered their valuations now and will be faced with some runway challenges, but have built up a decent customer base, you yeah. know, and I'd say you'll see some MA activity or some banks acquiring them, the pieces that they want. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be kind of a key kind of theme this year. You know what I thought when I read that? What?
0: Isn't M&A a sign of a maturing industry?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, we are what, probably a good, 10, 10, 12, um, 10, 12, years, 12 years into the fintech journey. Yep. And so it it makes sense, you know, yep. that we're getting to that stage. And obviously when you go through a recession, ob- well, you know, anti m and I think we just saw yesterday, Wire, who were a big crypto on-ramp that had been nearly acquired by Bolt, the e-commerce one-click checkout solution. And that deal was went to kaputs in September, I think, that, you know, Wire are now kind of winding down. and I talked to a couple of folks at wire about this deal a few months ago and I am not surprised. so it's unfortunate yeah. but you know these things do happen and I wouldn't say that this was necessarily you know driven by what's going on with the crypto market downturn, them closing down. perhaps the deal was that that bolt saw it as less strategically important for them to to acquire wire. And what's happened to WIRE since then, I don't think that's been down to the crypto market slowdown. There's been yeah. other factors. So
1: anyway. I do think we'll see probably this will be a year where we'll see a lot of the, especially US neobanks kind of snapped up now. Yeah. We'll see some that are in trouble like Dave and a few others that have strong products and customer bases, but just aren't, haven't got the funding and haven't got the revenue. And we've done this before. We've looked at this before. Yeah. And it was like,
0: big banks, don't buy them because you'll kill them. You know, this, the second you sign the check is the second that you're kissing, you know, all yeah. of that value away and that it needs to be by a outside that vertical type acquirer where it is a, you know, a Google buying a neobank an okay. Apple buying
1: a neobank.
0: You know, I would be surprised to see Apple gobble one up after who did they buy the credit?
1: Yes. The credit open banking provider, mm, whose name I can't think of now. I'll have to Google because yeah. I want to know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, Google or Apple, I think just dropped below the 2 billion valuation. No, 2 trillion valuation or whatever the hell it was. Credit um, kudos. Credit kudos. Yes. Okay, FinTech. Yeah. Yes. So when you're going through a recession, you know, cash is king. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Obviously the, the two that I really liked, Crypto Won't Make an Overnight Recovery. I'm like, really? You're kidding. It's a surprise. I'm like, and I'm thinking of my sister die when she says, really? And with a surprised look on her face, because I just saw that in myself. <laughs> but I, I think she she wouldn't be surprised either. So what, what are they saying? The crypto meltdown of 2022 with the FTX collapse most recently will likely mark the end of the era of unregulated crypto markets. What comes next is an increased regulatory scrutiny, acceleration of regulatory frameworks across the world, and growing demand for compliance solutions across the traditional finance crypto sectors. Okay. That is Magda Pozlezny, senior associate at Lakestar, and Olga Shikantsova, a partner at Speed Invest, also commented on this. I think that is, you know, That's run of the mill i think that's that's you know we're we're going to see more of that and just you know case in point i may have said it before i i won't say it again after this but the ftx meltdown didn't have really much to do with crypto at all it had to do with traditional financial services regulation not being right-sized yet for what are these basically quasi-financial institutions that are operating in crypto and operating under money transmitter licenses rather than a right-sized regulation like what we have coming in Europe, where we have the e-money institution as a predecessor of Mika, which will obviously help to level the playing field a lot more and put a lot more compliance requirements and robustness of operating models into this space, which I'm very much a fan of. So the last part of this that I like was, it was just the word flywheel jumped out at yep. me, uh, <laughs> I knew you'd
1: bring that one up. That's why I didn't mention it. <laughs> the
0: fintech operator founder flywheel will continue. And what they're saying is that tons of fintech talent out there that, you know, having been released, shall we say, or let go from some of the bigger firms that have gone through some layoffs and that these are the folks that will spin out, spin off, or just go out and, you know, launch their own startup and that, you know, this flywheel of being an operator in a fintech and then moving to becoming a founder, building up rinse and repeat. So. Love it. Okay. So that was our predictions for fintech. Sorry, not our predictions for fintech, but a collation of predictions for fintech from our friends at Sifted. Speaking of predictions, we've got the life and color blog from Liang Wu who is one of our tech stars, Web3 mentors, brilliant guy, great writer. He does some nice collaborative writing as well with a number of other folks out there that have got some great ideas and insights on Web3. And he pulled together again for 2023 some predictions based upon going out and speaking to a few folks. The first one that he pulled together or that he got from Mike Shaman, who is the CEO of Gen City Labs, the three things that he came up with for predictions. First one, I was totally in aligned with digital identity becoming the thing. So he's saying from the early days of digital interaction, choosing screen names, picking characters in video games, we've looked for ways to identify ourselves. This trend will continue in new and unique ways in the coming year. I think that there's just so much further that we can go with with wallets, with Web3 wallets and the adoption of them and the usage of them will be dependent on how important that those Web3 wallets become to people's everyday lives. You need to identify yourself a heck of a lot and having the ability to identify yourself through your Web3 wallet in a secure manner is something that I get really excited about. And I I totally, totally aligned with that. Also he suggested, Mike suggested the letters NFT get phased out. No one says, did you see that MP4? No one asked, did you check out that HTML page? Given the perception around the letters NFT, he thinks that we'll be using digital collectibles and other monikers to describe them. I kind of see that, but there's a hell of a lot more use cases we were talking about for NFTs than just digital collectibles. I've been talking to a number of folks recently, even just yesterday, John Hallahan from Fireblocks and JD Salbego from GDEX Metaverse about token gated experiences and that nfts are a critical part of that and that really doesn't have much to do with digital collectibles so i think there's now he does say other monikers in the in the article here so i think that's something that is is definitely going to that we're going to move on from that non-fungible token will just be something that will disappear from the lexicon when we're talking about this stuff let me take a minute to tell you more about our sponsors. Security strives to be the trusted partner that secures your information assets deemed critical for your business. Security also delivers the highest level of security expertise and support to their clients. Even further, Security provides independent cybersecurity assessments and advisory against best practice industry standards and compliance frameworks. Working as an extension of your team. SecurityCentrics helps you recognize and control data risk to your business by understanding your level of risk. In short, Securitycentrics provides many solution offerings from assessment and advisory, managed security services, cloud and infrastructure validation, vulnerability management and testing, and payment security. Get in touch with the team at SecureCentrics.com to learn more or email info at securitycentrics.com. That's S-E-C-U-R-I-C-E-N-T-R-I-X.com. The third thing that Mike suggested was security, security, security. Nothing can progress until people feel safe. Totally aligned with that. I think that, yes, as Mike says, there'll be some bad actors in the space doing bad things, but a huge wave of products and services are going to be providing more secure ways to participate that will enable millions of people to comfortably engage with Web3. People need to feel safe. That's at the core of all this. And I think it's just, it's, it's a critical part of it to be able to get people to adopt new technologies. They need to do that in an environment where they don't feel threatened. So depending upon people's people's appetite for risk, their, their fluency with tech, their fluency with smartphones, their fluency with desktop apps, it's all going to vary. So long way to go there. But I think Those three things, digital identity, NFTs becoming critically more important, and the letters NFT phasing out, but also a big, big focus and concentration on security. I think were three things that Mike identified there that were really critically important. I think Liang put those those three first for a reason. Some of the other themes that I saw coming out there, we saw from Cameron, the CEO of VF Protocol. He suggested that payments and payment processors and and payment giants will quietly push to make crypto look exactly like the existing payment rails, except they get to cut out all the interchange organizations and keep the margin. So I think we're, you know, like we said earlier, 7 trillion in volume in stablecoin settlements in 2022, which is right up there with MasterCard. And I think we're going to see more integration of crypto rails with traditional retail payments. So totally aligned with that one. Uh, He's also talking about NFTs and creators um, and that music NFTs emerging as an outside pipeline for artists to get popular. It's not going to replace SoundCloud, but there'll be a handful of artists that build a cult community following around music NFTs. And those super fans will use the music NFTs to engage with the creator and the artist. Totally see that happening. We've got Luis Martinez and Martin Liebrich. Shout out to both of those guys from Stakes. They went through our the first Techstars Web3 program and that's exactly what they're working on. So I, you know, big believer in what those guys are doing and this theme is critically important to me. A bunch more of really good insights here In this post. Again, this is a life in color blog, and we'll include it in the show notes on what people see coming. The last one I wanted to mention was from Will, who is the, they don't even give him a last name, but he's the investor and technical lead at FinTech Collective. And he talked about a few things, but he also mentioned DAOs or Decentralized Autonomous Organization. He's talking about the institutionalization of DAOs, which could lead to more transparent and decentralized decision-making processes, but it also could potentially lead to centralization of power if certain actors wield disproportionate influence. I think the DAO call it an experiment, call it a ramp up, call it whatever you want, the DAO experience over the last five years since the original DAO that was involved in an Ethereum fork going back to 2016, 2017. Is it Right sized yet? No, I don't think so. I think we've got a long way to go. But for virtual societies to unfold, I think that we need virtual organizations. And we need those virtual organizations to be autonomous. We need them to be decentralized, hence the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. A lot of work to do to get those operating the right way. The bulk of what we're seeing right now with DAOs are investment DAOs, but there are community DAOs, there are work DAOs, there are the ability to organize people in the real world DAOs. Again, community and or work DAOs that I think are going to become critically even more important. And the inf- and the infrastructure we need to support those is something that I see coming quick and fast in the industry. But listen, definitely check out the Life in Color blog. Lots of good stuff that, that Liang Wu writes about there. Again, with his collaboration of writers as well. The next one, This was just a short and sweet. This is what the future holds for cryptocurrencies, World Economic Forum in Davos. So they have a blog and it was the 2nd of January that they put this up. There was just two quick things in this article that I wanted to mention. What they're basically saying is that it was a terrible year for crypto, loss of $2 trillion in market value. We could now see the handover of crypto technology and blockchain infrastructure to more regulated and established institutions. I'm like, a handover? Really? How do you hand over something that is completely decentralized? It's like, hey, JP Morgan, here's Bitcoin, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) not going to happen. But the more and more and more I've learned about this space is that when you try to refangle, if that's even a word, blockchain into something that is acceptable for private usage within financial institutions, it's not blockchain anymore. It's just an overly expensive and clunky piece of technology that is meant to be used on a decentralized public permissionless basis. And when you put it into a private permission basis, it just becomes not much better than a centralized database. I didn't really see any truth to this prediction on on, on what they thought was coming. But what I have been talking to a number of folks about is that for blockchain to become even more of a relevant piece of technology in its state that it was intended to be used in, which is public permissionless, you kind of have to start out in financial institutions in a mode where people feel safe. And where they feel safe is when it's private, when it's locked down. Yep. So, you know, whatever blows your hair back, you know, I'm not gonna stand in their way if they wanna go ahead and do this. The middle point of this was what I mentioned at the beginning of, of, of the show. On the total value settled with stable coins by year, increasing since 2019 from less than a trillion up to 7 trillion in 2022. Right? It's 7 trillion. I just looked at you Google MasterCard annual payment volumes in 2021, MasterCard was about 6 trillion and Visa was at about 11 trillion. So, Hmm. you know. We're we're
1: crypto <laughs> there with the big boys.
0: Yeah. Now, stablecoin settlements are used for different things than obviously MasterCard payments. But we see more and more and more retail adoption. I think I just saw yesterday Cogni, which is a US neobank, have added a non-custodial wallet for crypto to their fintech offering, right? Which is a, which is a big move, a Web3 wallet. So Revolut will hold your crypto for you, but it's on an IOU basis. You don't actually hold it. But Cogni packaging that with a non-custodial wallet means that you do actually hold it. So I thought that was a really interesting point. The last part of the post, that they said cryptography and blockchains will continue to be integral parts of the modern economic toolkit, despite the great harm these tools may have caused when wielded by the wrong people, which is, you know, the key point. And I think we're, you know, we're moving on from that phase, hopefully quickly. Yep. Cool. There was another thing that I I wanted to go through, which is Chat GPT, yep. which is a tool, a chatbot, an AI driven chatbot, which has been all the rage over the last month or so, if not the last six weeks. Seeing people have their year ends, holiday greeting being written by this AI chatbot, Chat GPT, yep. and You know, putting it up on LinkedIn, putting it up wherever. And I've been trying it out, messing around with it. And it it works.
1: It does. (laughs) Works surprisingly well. Now I know um I know there's a lot of all like this isn't gonna replace whatever and blah blah blah. But I would say it that this is still like an early version of what this could be. And at that, it's pretty cool. You put in a fairly basic prompt. Like I'd spent a large part of the last the end of last year, we had a lot of events, and I was had to do speeches for different parts of the government and agencies and our own internal stuff, and like a lot of it was rewriting the same a version of the same thing, you know. But I did, this would have been ideal if I'd been playing around with it then, just feed in some prompts and some numbers and be like off you go. I need a yeah. speech. I need a speech about x y and z, and then yep. you just. Cause I've seen it like with Packy McCormick and somebody others that I'd, I'd follow and they've written or they've used it to kind of create an outline and then they rewrite the outline, but at least it's put a base there to start working off with certain ideas or topics or something. It's
0: great. Cool. I used it the other day and I said to ChatGPT, GPT, I said, please write an announcement for an event taking place on the 17th of January in Manhattan with a focus on web three, featuring a panel discussion with web three investors and Web3 Founders hosted by me and Genesis Block, and which is not related to the Genesis we talked about before yep. with under, under DCG. And so this is what ChatGPT gave me. Ready? Yep. Go for it. All right. Attention, all Web3 enthusiasts. We are excited to announce an upcoming event taking place on January 17th in Manhattan. Join us as we focus on the exciting world of Web3 with a panel discussion featuring top Web3 investors and Web3 Founders. Hosted by Pete Townsend from Techstars Web3 and Genesis Blockchain, this is a not-to-be-missed event for anyone interested in the future of the internet and decentralization. Come listen to insights from industry experts and ask questions about the current state and future potential of Web3. Don't miss out on this opportunity to learn and connect with like-minded individuals in the Web3 community. We hope to see you there. I'm like, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. The fact that they got not to be missed event for anyone interested in the future of the internet and decentralization, which is what web three is all about. Yeah. So
1: I I think like the fact that what it can do now, you know, and this we're still early days in it, is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. And by the way, on that event, our, I didn't read off the name of the venue that I had included in that ChatGPT <laughs> request that is no longer available. So if anyone has F-J's. a venue in New York City on the jan- on the evening of January 17th that we could use, please get in touch ASAP. And because if not, that event won't be happening, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and poor ChatGPT, all of their efforts will be gone Vain. for nothing. <laughs> So, but no, I think this is going to be used a heck of a lot more, you know, I'm thinking about kids writing essays and I know that Owen O'Driscoll from Plan Doyle, shout out to Owen, he put something in there and I'm, I, and he had sent me the output and I'm like, that's a wonderful one pager on your business. He's like, wasn't me, it was ChatGPT. That's great. (laughs) So, you know, there, there's all of this technology is out there and I think it's like, You know, in the last year or two, we've seen this big resurgence in AI, particularly in the last year, as storage becomes cheaper, as data becomes more structured and the data mining tools for unstructured data become even better. And this space is going to move really quickly. And folks are talking about the intersection of AI and blockchain. And I'm like, I had a thought on that. It was deep and meaningful. It's now gone. It's very technically complicated, and I will not share it. <laughs>
1: you can come back to us with that one. I will. I will.
0: You had one that you wanted to mention, didn't you?
1: Yeah, this was just the, you know, we've we talked before about Goldman Sachs and their Marcus kind of business or consumer unit. And it was just, I suppose, the final, what what appears to be the final nail in the coffin, where the head of their direct-to-consumer unit has stepped down as of kind of January 3rd. So this is the person used to head up PayPal and has retired from Goldman Sachs and it's obviously in back in when was it back in October they signaled they were scaling back ambitions for Marcus as their consumer bank loss making they couldn't generate any revenue from it and it sunk a huge amount of money into it and this just seemed to be another another nail in the coffin which is unfortunate because it you know, they had grand ambition around it and it did seem like it might be the one that would work as one being built in, but no, clearly it's finally dead now at this stage by the looks of it. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean it was, you know, running retail is expensive. Yep. Running retail is very expensive. And if you look at the the fintech battlefield from eleven FS that I know that you're familiar with from the the faculting that we both do <laughs> for for Pat FinTech that you know the, the worst place to be is where you've got a very, very high number of accounts and a very, very low value of that account. So very high number of customers, very low value of their accounts. And that's a very tough place to be in the Fintech battlefield. Now you could subsidize that if you are a big big player, or you're up at the top end of the Fintech battlefield, where you've got a low number of accounts with a very, very high value, which an investment bank will have but it's got to generate something. And if it's not generating the growth that you expected and the crossover that you expected, you got to move on. And it was Jacques Destay from BNP Paribas, who was it Jacques Destay? Yeah, I think it was Jacques Destay from BNP Paribas, who headed up the investment bank years ago when I used to work for BNP Paribas. And he's like, if a unit's not producing, it's in the shareholder's best interest for you to just dispose of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in fairness, they were very quick to kind of acknowledge that and shut it down and everything. It's just, it's unfortunate. And like, it'll come into play then this year in particular about companies or, you know, some of those neobanks that are available or would be acquisition targets. You know, if you can't build it yourself internally, knowing what you know, will will it really work to integrate one? Probably not. We've seen that with on numerous occasions at this stage. So
0: Definitely. Definitely. Time of year with lots of executives moving around. Right. right. And, you know, I've the, the more and more stuff like the LinkedIn notifications, instead of just getting one heads up, you, now you get like a bucket of them, like five at a time, congratulate these 74 people on their new roles, you know, so there's more and more of that happening. One that was not on my LinkedIn post that I just saw randomly when I, and when you sent me this Goldman one, I thought of it, executives moving around is Julian Sawyer. So Julian Sawyer was one of the co-founders of Starling. Um, oh, yeah. And he then moved on to Gemini in the UK, and this was not in the article. And he's running the UK business for Gemini. And when Brexit happened, I think he didn't want to leave the UK, and he went to Bitstamp. And now he's moved from Bitstamp to Zodia, which is a new crypto exchange that is a joint venture between Standard Chartered and Northern Trust. That John Cronin, an Irishman, is heading up the Irish business for. So shout out to John. I caught up with him before Christmas. He's a good guy. I've been working with him for years on different things. So that time of year, we're, we're yep. more and more of these things are going to be happening. It's January, you know, people looking to dig into new challenges. So all the best to everybody. <laughs> on that note, we we are currently sourcing heavily for the Techstars Web3 Accelerator. Yep. We've been getting tons of referrals from our mentor group, which has been awesome. That's great. And just making introductions. And We also have tons of referrals coming from within Techstars, which is great, which is what you want. And we have literally hundreds of applications now for this accelerator program coming in. People have just applied and they're they're coming in so quickly now, now that we have one month left or less than one month left before applications close on the 1st of February. We're going to have a quick turnaround for mid-February to get our 12 selected for the program. And I'm just entirely, totally fired up to go through these next four or five weeks to get all that done. That's exciting. Because uh, we're talking to some awesome people right now, some incredible founders. And what we're saying is, listen, you know, we've got a big narrative that we've written around our thesis. Go give that a read. See where you fit into that and tell us about it. And But when it comes down to what we're looking for, it's founders. It's great founding teams that have significant firsthand experience with the problem they're solving, that, have, that are resilient, that have a depth of character, that are humble and humble doesn't mean shy. It means self-aware. And I'm just incredibly excited to pick the next batch and a batch that I am really driving towards that being quite diverse. Because when you bring together a very diverse group of people, just amazing things happen. You get amazing things that happen when you have people all coming from a similar background, but uh, it's far better, and it's people learn from each other a lot more, and learn from people going through different types of experiences and different backgrounds, and that's what one of the big things about that Techstar is all about is having that that support group and that cohort cohesiveness that you get when you pack together people for 13 weeks, even though the bulk of this will be virtual. But you know we're going to start off in Dublin for the first week at the very least and then meet in two more cities around the world over the course of the rest of the program, probably mid-program in May and then end of program in June, depending upon where the Web3 ecosystem is congregating from an investor perspective at those points in time. So it's, yeah, exhilarating to be going again with Techstars on this for the second round and getting stronger and stronger. Shout out to my pal, Hugh McGurr. He's off in Japan sourcing right now. So we'll be getting deep into it this week and next.
1: Brilliant. Excited to hear the updates. Anything else going on in your world? No, I'm still, as, as mentioned to you, I'm not back to work now until next week. So that's good. I'm looking forward to my last couple of days off.
0: Anything? Took back any- into it. Any, any, you know, now that your hand is, is fully healed, hopefully anything that you missed out on that you can now get up to over the next couple days?
1: No, no, sure. We're down here in my wife's two businesses, just getting them stocked and ready to reopen on Saturday. So that's, that's been my job. That's my job for the next two days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The serial entrepreneur.
1: (laughs) Yeah. By by association. That's her. Exactly. The handyman or the heavy lifter cleaning and whatever
0: else. Someone has to it, do it. it. Someone does have to do it. It's you know, it's a thankless job, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 my wife hopefully doesn't hear me say that because <laughs> she does a heck of a lot more around the house than I do these days. So thank you. All right, we gotta Great. leave it there.
1: Leave it there. Talk to you soon. All right, adios, buddy. Take it easy.
0: That does it for this week, folks, and you can learn more about the stories we covered in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup investor focused on where fintech meets crypto and crypto meets Web3. There are plenty of links in the show notes on moneyneversleeps.ie on how to get in touch with us, so don't hesitate to reach out. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See you.